<laughs> I don't even know. Is record or play? Cool. All right. Um, we are in uh, Genesis chapter 28, verse 15. <clears throat> Our man Jacob, uh, just to kind of recap, uh, uh, we last week we're pretty amazed. At, 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 we're actually in chapter 30, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you all are tracking with me. That's good. That's good. We've been in Genesis all year long, and, um, and we ain't in no hurry. We ain't in no hurry. We're going to take our time and go through it. That's the beauty of Wednesday night. You know, we can take our time. And uh, so uh, before Jacob set foot in a place called Haran, um, God had visited him and spoke to him. And chapter 28, verse 15 says, What's more, I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything that I have promised you. And so the Lord promises that um, uh, uh, that uh, uh, he's going to be with him, uh, that he'll protect him, and that he's going to bring him back into the land because he's about to go someplace else. But God says, I, I will bring you back. And uh, as he goes and, and visits um, uh, Laban, his uncle, uh, I don't think he had any idea that he would be there as long as he was, but God's promise was that he was going to bring him back. And maybe at some time he began to forget that God made that promise to him um, or, or that God had some different plans, but, but God was going to bring him back, but, but not until the right time. Uh, not until the right time. It's important to get God's will right. It's important to do that. It is equally as important to get God's timing right. And sometimes our timing is different than God's timing. Sometimes we, we look at God's delays as, as if he's not listening. Uh, but God's delays are every bit as divine as when he executes and causes us to begin to do something or to go someplace or whatever it might be. And so there's there's reasons for that. And in chapter 30 and verse 25, you know, um, <clears throat> uh, Jacob is uh, he's good to go. He says, um, now it came about when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Man, I'm good to go. I'm out of here. I'm tired of this place. I want to go back home. And, uh, you know, but it wasn't uh, quite time yet laban's response to him was this and remember laban was a shrewd businessman he was and we've already seen how laban is um uh, actually out outfoxed um jacob a number of times but laban's response was stay with me for i have divined that the lord has blessed me on your account and so that tells us right there that Laban was not a follower of the one true God, that he was a follower of the gods in his land. Um, and so he, by divination, had come to the reasoning and understanding that he was blessed because of Jacob. You know what? You didn't have to be psychic to know that one, all right? Uh, that's pretty obvious that you didn't have a whole lot until Jacob got here. And ever since Jacob got here, you have been blessed. And so Laban wants to receive the blessing of God, but not the God of the blessing. You might know some folks like that. They want to receive the blessing of God, but not the God of the blessing. Okay? And so, um, uh, Laban will have every opportunity to, to, to watch God work in Jacob's life and in his own life, but um, you know, whether or not he comes to know the Lord, we'll see. So, we are in chapter 30. Thirty. Board Jacob. Uh, God remember Jake. No, uh, chapter thirty. Um, yes, and verse one and two. It says, "Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that our father, uh, all the all that was our father's, and from what belonged to our father, he has made all his wealth." And Jacob saw the attitude of Laban, and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. So envy keeps, uh, envy is pretty bad, uh, but it, it keeps even worse company. Okay, First uh, Corinthians 3 says this, 3.3, 3, For where there are envy, strife, 
and divisions among you? Are you not carnal and behaving like men? Paul writing to the church at Corinth and saying, you guys are so carnal, all of you. You're, you're, you're behaving like mere men. You're behaving like men that don't have a relationship with the Lord. And by the way, you're envious of one another, among the other things that he said. And then uh, James 3.16 says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Um, uh, Titus 3.3 says, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. And so envy is a serious sin before the Lord. We may not think that, but remember that the uh, Pontius Pilate knew that the religious leaders had delivered up Jesus unto death because of envy. Okay? And so this is a serious, serious thing. It was not envy that put Jesus on the cross. It was you and I. And, and the sins of the world. Uh, but the, the avenue that was used and the emotion, the human or, or, the, or the, uh, the, sin, the sinful desire that was used was out of envy. Does that make sense? All right. And so it's a serious thing. And so uh, verse 3, it says, um, um, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. Uh, have you ever been in doubt of the Lord's direction for your life or maybe for a particular situation? Lord, I just don't know what you have for me. Lord, I, I don't really know in this specific situation if you're saying yes or no or the dreaded wait. Sometimes we're cool with yes. How many of you like when God says yes? You're like, yay, yes, Lord. How many of you like when God says no? Oh, we got to think about that one. Uh, how many like it when God says wait? Oh, okay. Which, how many of you prefer no over wait? Uh, oh, you do. Just tell me no, man. I'll be on with it, right? I just want to know. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Um, and, and you know what? This life as a Christian sometimes to us is like the back of a tapestry. We look at it and it, it's all, it doesn't make sense. And if you look at the back of a tapestry, it doesn't really you really can't always gauge what the picture is, but you turn it around and you see something beautiful. And because God is in the process of making the pieces fit and bringing the threads of our lives together, even when we look at the backside and say, Lord, I don't see anything you're doing. And the Lord's on the front side saying, oh, if you could just see what I'm putting together here. This is so beautiful, right? And so it, life is like that sometimes, like a puzzle. And it's not that God is up in heaven saying, let's see if they can figure out what we want. And we won't give them any clues at all. We'll just sort of, just sort of, we'll give them the word, but that's it. No, no, God, he has taken it upon himself to show us what he has for us and for us to, to move in that direction and for, uh, 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 for us to have that sense that we are being led by God. But we're not always sure. You know, I can remember when I came when I came on staff at the church a long time ago, uh, and and I mean I I, you know, you know, sought some counsel from some different people, and someone said to me, uh, uh, you know, Richard, has God told you to do this? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I said I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, but and I'll get to the but as soon as we finish this. Okay, uh, this part. So so sometimes. We feel like life is a big puzzle. Like my family, you know, my family, they're gamers. They love to play games. You know, uh, they love to, uh, you know, do puzzles and stuff. When Dawn and I were dating, I actually pretended like I really liked to play games. And so she thought I was a gamer. And she married me found out I didn't like games at all. But I play them anyway just to kind of chill with her. And then our kids love it when we play games. They have this big puzzle, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I'm not the kind of person that we'll see like a thousand piece puzzle. And this, I don't know if you, it's a picture of, of like, of like New York City and San Francisco. And there's like this river in between. And there's like thousands and there's hundreds of buildings in the picture. And, and there's thou, I don't know how many pieces are in this puzzle. And, and they start putting it together. 
And, and, my, and it's like, you know, like my, my kids are like, hey, hey, get in there and do your math. Get off the puzzle. Okay, okay. Hey, go to bed. You cannot do the puzzle. You know, I peek my, hey, honey, are you coming to bed or what? Just five more pieces. Oh, my goodness. You know, but for me, I might, I'll look at that like they had like, 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 just like, like 5% of it together. And I go, okay. And then they put the corners together and there's a little bit in the middle. And I'm like, oh, y'all are making some headway. Oh, that's good. Well, you don't have much to go. I looked in the box, and there were hundreds and hundreds of pieces. I said, oh, no. Oh, no. I don't even want to touch that. I try to, I try to find one little thing. Like I can say, like, put my name on the back. This was my piece right here. I'm not even going there because I'm just not like that, right? I mean, I mean, you know, sometimes we feel like that's how, how you know, God's will is this big puzzle. And you know what? It, it, in one sense, it is, and in one sense, it isn't. Because there's, there is a mystery to it, but it's not a mystery that can't be found out. Uh, so uh, there isn't always a particular scripture that fits your situation, but there are principles you can follow. There isn't always a particular scripture. God, should I marry this woman or not? Well, you may not find a scripture that says, you know, thus saith the Lord, marry Susan. You're not going to find that in the word of God, all right? But there are principles that you can follow. Okay, here's the first thing, desire. Everybody say desire. Look at chapter 30, verse 25. And it says, um, uh, now, now it came about when Rachel had born Joseph, and Joseph said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. So first of all, desire. There's something. Now, be careful because we can have what? Sinful desires. Simply because you desire it doesn't mean it's God, but it's a starting point because God uh, uh, will uh, 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 place things in our heart. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the what? The desires of your heart. So, so, so that can mean two things. That could mean that, number one, that you desire something and God gives it to you. But it could also mean that God places desires in you that you begin to desire. God gives you those things that you want to desire. Okay, that's, that's one thing. So uh, and, and Philippians 4.13 com, confer, uh, confirms this in the Amplified Bible. It says, not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. And so God comes and he works in you because his Holy Spirit resides in you. God has ownership of you. And so from within, he places something in you and then causes you to do that. So he works in your will and in your doing. Does that make sense? So all of a sudden you begin to desire something or will or or something stirring up within you that you never, ever, man, I heard about, what did I hear? Brother Joseph, I heard about, I heard about a, 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 a Korean man from Richmond, California that started a Native American ministry in Arizona. Okay? Now we know, now that's, like you might think, you know, there's this, you know, one tribe it's called. And it's, it's this, I love hearing stories like that. And I want to say, okay, man, dude, you're Korean. I mean, you're from Richmond County. How did you get to Arizona to do a Native American, you know, like, like ministry? Well, that's what God does. God just does that, right? Why? Because somehow or another, God placed something in this man's heart. Uh, There's a family that came in a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago, I missed them. They're missionaries going to southern China, some remote city in southern China. And they're just like, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. I'm like, what are you doing going to southern China? And how did you ever come to that place? And, and there's a story behind it. We went on a short-term mission. I read about someone in Japan, you know, and uh, um, uh, this dude, I think, he was, I think he was American and Arabic. And, 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 and he's in Japan. I'm thinking... How did you go from, like, Los Angeles to Japan? And, like, you're, like, like Middle Eastern, right? That's just God, right? Because you know what happens? God will put something in your heart and cause you to will it and then give you the power to do it. 
And so the first thing is desire. Acts chapter 15, Paul is sitting down with Barnabas, probably at Starbucks or something like that. And, and Paul looks at Barnabas and he says, you know what? Let us return and visit the brethren with, with which we preach the gospel to and see how they're doing. And it's like, wait a minute, you didn't fast, you didn't pray, you didn't call the church council together. It's like they're just sitting down chilling. And Paul says, let's go visit the brethren. Barnabas is like, cool. <laughs> like it was that simple. Why? Because they believe that God would work inside in their want-tos and their desires. And then there would be peace that would come with that. So first is desire. Second is circumstances. Everybody say circumstances. Okay, now, don't just believe in circumstances. Lord, if the next three lights are green, then I know I'm supposed to go. Okay, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Because you, you go on rainbow at the appropriate time, you can make all, you can make five or six lights. Come on, right? I mean, if you're going to do that, then say, Lord, if I wake up tomorrow morning and there's snow on the ground, I know it's your will. Okay, now make it big if you want to do that. But we don't have to do that anymore. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives within us. We don't have to put that fleece out as in the book of Judges. But desire, then circumstances. Because what? They seem to flow in that direction. And, and it's a, um, uh, 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 in, in this situation, it's, it's no longer a peaceful place for, for Jacob and his family. It, it, now, God's already said, I'm going to bring you back, and he already desires it. But now the circumstances seem to be lining up that way because, as we'll see, Laban, Laban and his sons, well, as we've already read, you know, they're like, hey, man, he's taken away all of our goods. They're envious of him. And you know what, Jacob, all he's done is work hard. I mean, he hasn't, like, snatched anything from them. God's done it, and he's going to acknowledge that. Circumstances are changing. And listen, there's some adversity that might be coming. Sometimes you look at that job or that situation, you say, oh, this is, this is adversity. Lord, this cannot be your will for me. No, no, no. Just because there's an adverse situation doesn't mean God's not in it. Young man I talked to on the streets yesterday, he's in an adverse situation. But, you know, he placed himself there by his own choices. And so that may be precisely where God wants him to be. I'm saying sometimes God will take us places we don't want to go. So we will listen to what he has to say. And I believe that's what's happening in that young man's life. <laughs> Adversity by itself is not a reason to rule out God. If that's the case, then, then our brothers and sisters who are missionaries in the Middle East and those in China who are being persecuted and facing incredibly adverse situations, you know what? Don't tell me they're out of God's will. They're right in the middle of God's will. Acts chapter 15. Um, let me see here. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, the apostles are on their way to preach the gospel. They go to Debris, and then they go to uh, uh, Lister, uh, Lystra, I'm sorry. And it says they were for forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go to Asia. And then the Spirit of Jesus didn't allow them to go to Bithynia. So whatever took place, the apostles are on their way to visit the brethren. And, and, and what does it say? The, uh, the, the Holy Spirit says, no, don't go that way. They're like, okay, well, let's go this way. You know, and the Spirit of Jesus says, you know what, don't go this way. They're like, oh, well, there's only, we're not going back the way we came. There's only one other way to go. And they go that direction. Okay? Now, the third way that you can discern God's will is you get a clear word from the Lord. And that word will always match up to the word of God and circumstances will follow. And you'll find you don't have to maneuver circumstances to make them happen. You'll find these things working together. Uh, so as you wait upon the Lord, you watch, you pray, you ask to be led, and you remain patient as you wait. God has spoken this word. You feel it. There's a scripture that God gave you. Maybe it's a, it's a prophetic word that someone gave you where someone says, Brother, you know what? I don't even know what's going on in your life, but God wants to do this, this, and this. And you go, man, how did you know I was in that situation? That's a word from the Lord, right? Or someone may say, you know what? I know what I see you as. I see you as blah, 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 blah. And, 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 and I see you as, as, as a minister in Japan. And you go, what? 
And now don't try to go make it happen. Just sit tight and watch what God does. Because you might, you, might, you might hate Japanese folks, no disrespect to any, you know, but you might not feel like, man, I don't even like them, that, those people. I don't even like, but God starts to work in your heart. So now with that prophetic word starts to go with your heart. And you start to say, I don't know, man. And, I, and, this, and then the circumstances, you, you get fired from your job. Oh, no, <laughs> you know. And then you get something in the mail about a missions work in Japan. You go, okay, this is crazy. Yeah, God is speaking, right? God always confirms his will. A direct revelation you might get. A direct revelation is when, when, when someone says, you know what? Man, God spoke to me. Our brother Glenn Mathis shares his testimony about how he became a fireman. He says, I wasn't even thinking about being a fireman. I, was look, I, I, needed, I needed, you know, gainful employment. And I was looking at some different things and some different stuff. And, and just one time, and I don't even know if it was a time of, of ministry or time of being in the word. He just heard this word. He said, I, I believe it was audible, fireman. And he looked at his wife and says, I think God wants me to be a fireman. Yeah, well, the rest is history. You know, there was a couple of things that happened that caused him to, you know, um, uh, you know uh, some, there, was, there was a test, some testings and some things that, that, that weren't quite lining up, but that all lined up. He's been a fireman in 20 years, maybe I couldn't even tell you, 25 years. You know, just how? From a word from the Lord. Yeah, God speaks to his people. Well, anyway, um, uh, uh, Paul, and Bar uh, uh, Paul and Silas uh, uh, go to Troas, uh, which is... Uh, uh, in, in, their, in this missionary journey, and, and they end up at Troas getting the Macedonian call. And, and in the Macedonian call, it says immediately some, they have a vision of someone who says, hey, come and preach the gospel to us. And they're like, uh, okay. And they end up going to Macedonia, uh, uh, Europe, and all they do uh, is they become the first apostles to go to Europe, and they end up at a place called Philippi, and they meet Lydia, a seller of purple, because uh, they went to the riverside to see where the about the about the the the, the group uh, of men meeting the, uh, the uh, there was no synagogue there they were they were looking and and they went to the riverside where the men went to go pray and they found a bunch of women they said well this will work and they started the church in Philippi with some uh, with some women that were there and of course later on they met the Philippian jailer <laughs> and he, he and his family came to know the Lord as well and if you want to know that story read the book of Philippians. Okay, so God's will happens and processes in his own time and his own way. And another thing that he'll do is he will either remove that desire from you or he'll increase that desire. He'll, he'll remove it from you and you think, oh, I don't know, man, I thought that was the Lord's will, but I'm really not feeling it anymore. And it just like a candle just sort of fades out or it just gets brighter and brighter and brighter. And then you, that's another way. Uh, that you know and also the lord is uh, more than able to open and close doors in our lives you know there's a door that opens up that's like amazing or a door that shuts and it's like okay maybe that's not maybe that's not what god is saying so all kinds of ways but sometimes it's a bit of a mystery sometimes you don't know when i when i was asked to come on staff at the church and someone said to me are you absolutely you better be sure that god has called you to do this before you do it and i said man I don't know about that. Has God called you to go on that church? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. But I feel peace about it. And I know, see, see, I had already been, my heart was already stirring. I was, you know, it had been in my job for six years. I look out the window and say, man, there's got to be something else, Lord. This ain't it. I feel like I'm done here. And pretty soon a door opened up. Was that the door? Well, you know, seemed like it was the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, it, I, I, I stepped out in faith, and man, I think I was there like 15 years the first go-around, 15, 16 years. It's been five years this go-around. That's crazy, and I gave him a one-year commitment. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, but did I know for sure? No, but you know what? I already was shepherding people in my home because I had a youth group in my house. And man, the youth group was rocking and rolling in my house. And, that, and then I just, I sort of just, went from doing that after hours and weekends to doing it full time. And that, that's all it was, you know. And so anyway, hey, um, <clears throat> verse 5. And so things are changing for our boy Jacob. He's about to uh, uh, get up uh, out of this place, uh, Padan Aram, 
verse 5, it says, um, well, let's, let's back up. I think I am. Um, verse 1 and 2. Ah, uh, verse 3. Here's a confirmation. Okay, so he hears this, and he's thinking, okay, not, things are not good. Verse 3, then the Lord said to Jacob. See that? The desire was already there, as we saw in verse 25 or chapter 30. Now the Lord speaks. Okay, and the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. And so, uh, yeah, he's ready to rock and roll now because he already has the desire. God confirms it with a direct revelation, and off he goes, right? Well, let's just see how this plays out. All right, verse 5 says, and, and, uh, and said to them, I see your father's attitude that is not friendly toward me as formerly, but the God of my father has been with me. So he, he, sees, situa he sees it changing, God's spoken, that's all he needs. And, and what he does is he, he acknowledges God's, God's providence and God's blessing in the midst of trouble. This, it's a troubled situation, but he says, look at, but the God of my father has been with me. And it's a good idea when there's turmoil to acknowledge God's providence, his ability to maneuver situations and things in your life any way that he wants to, and uh, his, uh, his blessing in the midst of that, because it shifts our focus off of the problem and onto his provision. Hebrews 13 says this, let your character be free from the love of money. Be content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Verse 7, he says, um, well, verse 6, you know that I have served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. You notice Jacob's shift. Now, he's talking a whole lot about God. When we first met this boy, he didn't have a whole lot to say about God, right? Now he's, um, uh, he's talking a lot uh, about God. And he says, listen, you, you know, this man, he changed my wages ten times, Laban did. <laughs> Laban's a shrewd, man. Laban had a doctorate degree in Huxta, you know. Uh, uh, hustler, whatever. I don't know. He was, um, he was bad. Uh, listen, uh, when it's someone said, when a child is in the will of God, nothing can hurt him without first passing through God's will. When a child is in the will of God, nothing can hurt him without first passing through uh, God's will. Uh, God has not allowed him to hurt me. He says. Listen, Satan uh, wanted to attack. Job, but God gave him the boundaries and said, this is how far you go. Uh, Satan, Jesus told uh, Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Uh, a missionary named Frederick Nolan was fleeing from his enemies um, during a persecution time in North Africa, and he would go over, over hills and, and, and through valleys, and he found no place to hide, and, and exhausted from his pursuers, he fell into a cave and just waited there to die. And, and, and while he was inside that cave and his, his pursuers were coming upon him, there was a spider that began to, to weave a web at the entrance of that cave. And, and when by the time they got there, they looked and they saw the web and they went on their way. Where God is, a spider's web is a wall. Where God isn't, a wall is a spider's web. Verse 9. Thus God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. Although Laban cheated Jacob, God still increased his wealth. God's power isn't limited by a lack of fair play. That kind of rearranges how we look at being cheated or lied about or mistreated. Remember back earlier when Abraham and his nephew Lot had to part ways, Abraham told him, pick whichever land you want. And of course, he picked the land that looked lush and plush and, and you know, he, he, he picked Santa Monica, right? <laughs> you know, and, and, and Abraham was like, well, I'll go the other way. Why? Because he knows whichever way I go, God's going to bless me. God's going to take care of me. God's going to do what's best for me. So you choose whichever way you go. Okay? And that's what's going on here. He's being mistreated. 
Uh, he's being cheated, but yet he is prospering because God is bigger than that. Verse 11 through 13 says, the angel, Then the angel of God spoke to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift up now your eyes and see all the male goats which are mating and striped, speckled, and, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. Um, verse 13, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. So there's that, that reconfirmation of, of him going. But remember in the previous chapter how he was taking these, these sticks and, and these rods of poplar and almond, and he was stripping away the bark and, and putting them in front of the sheep and believed somehow that by doing this, uh, because he had told Laban, I'll take all the striped and the, and the spotted and the speckled sheep and goats. Remember that? I'll, I'll take them. You take the pure ones, right? I'll take the rejects. And so he put these bars, these, these um, 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 uh, help me out, uh, sticks in, in front of them as they were mating, thinking they'll look at that and then they'll come out spotted and speckled and striped. And so mine will increase and his will decrease. And you just think, okay, man, what's that all about? Well, you know what? God says in verse 12, See that all the male goats which are made in are striped, speckled, modded, for I have seen. You know, God says, you know what, Laban? I did that. Just, just uh, 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 Jacob, just so you know, it had nothing to do with the sticks, all right? I did that. And I'm the one who's prospering you, just in case you thought the sticks were helping you out, all right? Um, not happening. Um, his, he encounters the Lord again, the angel of the Lord, which I believe is a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ that he's already met in chapter 28. Verse 14 through 16, it says, And Rachel and Leah um, answered and said to him, Do we still have any portion or inheritance in our father's house? It's almost like they're saying, you know, there's nothing here for us. Uh, are we not reckoned by him as foreigners? For he has sold us. And has entirely consumed our purchase price. <laughs> Seems like they're just concerned about the money, right? Truly, all the wealth which God has taken away from our father belongs to us and our children. Now then, do whatever God has said to you. And we can go to verse 19 through 23. It says, when Laban had gone to shear his flock. Okay, Laban had gone to shear his flock. Then Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's. What? We'll get back to that. Um, and Jacob deceived Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him that he was fleeing. Now, he's got a grip of children. I forget how many kids he has. I think he, does he have all 12 already or just 10? No, he has 9, 10. Yeah, 10. He has 10 children already. And, 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 and two, he, the, so these the ten grandkids and both of his daughters, and he says, okay, let him get three days away, and then we're going to leave. And I'm taking everybody, and then all my belongings, too. Jacob, it says, deceived Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him that he was fleeing. So he fled with all that he had, and he arose and crossed the Euphrates River and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. Verse 22 says, when it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled and he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him a distance of seven days journey and he overtook him in the hill country of Gilead. Okay, you should not have done that to Laban. Where, uh, verse, um, uh, let me see where we go. Uh, oh, let, let, let me talk about the household idols. Um also called teraphim, a Syrian word, teraphim, uh, which means to inquire. These are the little household gods that people would worship and inquire of what was taking place. And so we, he, we see again that Laban had this false religious practice in his own home. Zechariah chapter 10 says this, For the teraphim speak iniquity, and the uh, diviners see lying visions and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain, and therefore the people wander like sheep. Here's the point. Laban's family still clung to the idolatrous practices of the East. Okay? Um, and, and, and so uh, that was not going to be a 
comforting place for uh, Jacob to live. Because as we saw, there has to be a separation between the customs and the practices of, of, of the culture and that of the man and woman of God. That's why Abraham had to separate from Lot, even though he had to go back and rescue him later. There needs to be a separation, and it's the same with us. There has to be a separation from, between the cultural gods and our God, between the, the way that we live our life and the way uh, uh, that, that others live their life. There should be a distinction between the two. And so this separation has to come, and, and yet his wife, Rachel, steals the household gods. Well, we'll get to that. So why did, why did Jacob wait uh, till Laban is three days out going to shear his sheep. Going to shear the sheep. Okay, man, have fun. Take your time. Don't be in a hurry to come back. Three days later, let's go. <laughs> Why did he do that? What do you think? Give him time to get a look, to get, to get, get going, right? Get a long distance. Maybe he won't even come after us. What else? Was he afraid, maybe? Look at verse 20. It says, you shall say, Behold, your servant Jacob also is behind us. For he said, I will appease. Wait a minute. I'm in chapter 32. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Verse 20 says, Yeah, he deceived Laban by not telling him that he was fleeing. Uh, lack of trust? Just, just, just Jacob being Jacob? I don't know. Uh, he could have left in verse, according to uh, verse 27, he could have left with a party, you know, with a full-on band and everything. But, you know, there's an interesting scripture in Isaiah 52. It says, we don't know why he did it. Was he fearful? Was he not trusting God? Well, we don't know for sure. But Isaiah 52 has a little play on this that says this. It says, you will go out in haste, nor will you go, uh, nor will you go out as fugitives. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. And the God of Israel, translate that, the God of Jacob. It's just kind of interesting. Um, anyway, verse 22 through 24. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, he's very persuasive. Maybe he didn't want to have to deal with Laban. Well, verse 23 and 24 says... Um, uh, then he took um, then he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him a distant seven days journey and he overtook him in the, verse 24 and God came to Laban okay remember God speaking God's sovereignty God's being able to to speak to whom, whomever he wants whenever he wants to however he wants to God came to Laban the Aramean in the dream of the night and I would I would suggest to you that was a listen. God will come and speak to you at night, and it could be a vision from the God, or it can be a terrifying thing when he comes and speaks to you. I would suggest to you that this man woke up sweating and screaming and hollering after God got done speaking to him. You know, I mean, God, God says, okay, you know what? Because Laban, that tells us Laban has, has hurt in, in, involved. He has ill intent, and he's mad, and God visits him. Now, Jacob doesn't even know this, and so God is behind the scenes working this whole thing out. It's, it's interesting. God came to Laban the Aramean at night and said to him, Behold, that you do not speak to Jacob, either good or bad. God's sovereignty in spite of sinful man. <clears throat> Griffith Thomas said this, Amid much that is sad and even sordid in this story, amid craft, deceit, and lying on almost every side, we cannot fail to see the hand of God overruling and making even the wrath of man to praise him. That's God. Verse 27 through 29. Ah, well, you know, quite the reunion. Why did you see, flee secretly and deceive me and not tell me so that I might have sent you away with joy and songs and with timbrel and, and lyre? We could have had, had the whole band there, man. You, we didn't even get a chance to give you a party. <clears throat> and did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Uh, now you have done foolishly. Uh, it is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night. Hey, listen, man. 
I could do something to you. But God, I kind of had a dream last night that I'm not supposed to. And God said, be careful not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. Ah, listen, Proverbs 16, 7 says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And that's what we're seeing here. Verse 30. Now you have indeed gone away because you long you long greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? <laughs> now, I think it's funny that your gods are so weak that they could be stolen. <laughs> I mean, if your gods were gods, then why don't they just take care of themselves and curse the people who stole them? I just think it's hilarious, right? So, so much for the, your, um, <clears throat> anyway, the New Schofield Bible says this, and I'm quoting out of it. This incident has long been a puzzle. Why was Laban so greatly concerned about recovering these images which Rachel had stolen? Attempting to recapture them, he conducted a long 275-mile expensive expedition. So, excavation at Nuzi in northern Mesopotamia in the region in which Laban lived showed that the possession of the household gods of the father-in-law by the son-in-law was legally acceptable as proof of the des designation of the son-in-law at principal heir. It is no wonder that Jacob was angry and that he should be accused of such a, uh, of such a deed and that the two men set up a boundary and promised not to cross it to injure one another. Jacob um, never made e uh, evil use of these images which Rachel had stolen, but ordered that they should be buried at Shechem. Uh, so do you see that? Like, so there's archaeological evidence that, that maybe Laban is thinking, They've got my household idols. If I die, they get everything. They're, they're saying, no, we're the heir. Listen, we have the gods. Everything goes to them. So maybe he's pursuing them because he doesn't want his sons to have nothing. Is that correct? Maybe. Maybe. We had to. We don't know because, I mean, you know, he's, he's a what? Laban is. He's a huckster. <laughs> Thank you. That's our word for this part of Genesis. He is. Well, um, verse 35 through 42. Um, uh, he's, no, no, no. Um, Jacob doesn't know that Rachel has stolen them. And, and so he's, so Laban's going all throughout everybody's tent trying to find them. And so, um, Rachel puts these household gods in her camel saddle, and she sits on them in her tent. So Laban's looking all around the tent, doesn't find them. Verse 35, and she said to her father, let not my Lord be angry that I cannot arise before you, for the matter of woman is upon me. Y'all know what that means, right? Okay. All right. So he searched, but did not find the household idols. Then Jacob became angry and contended with Laban, and Jacob answered and said to Laban, what is my transgression? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Though you have felt through all my, though you have felt through all my goods, you have not found all your household gods. Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between the two. These twenty years I have been with you. Okay, okay. When he left, he did not think it would take him that long to get back. Remember he left? He had swindled his father out of, out, of the, out of the blessing, and he had swindled his brother Esau out of the birthright. By the way, next chapter, he's going to meet up with Esau. And Esau has been a fuming for how long? 20 years. And he had already said, as soon as my father dies, I'm going, oh, yeah, there's going to be something with Jacob. Jacob's not a fighter. He's a swindler, but he ain't a fighter. Okay. Esau? They'll cut you up. <laughs> Esau don't want to hear it. He doesn't follow the one true God, and he has no conscience about the blessings of God. He doesn't care about them. So um, 
20 years is a long time. And he says, I've been with you, your ewes, your female goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten the rams of your flocks. That which was torn of beast, I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. You required it of my hand, whether, whether, it was, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was by the day, by the, by day, the, the heat consumed me and the frost by night, and my sheep fled from my eyes. Uh, these 20 years I have been in your house, I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. 20 years. Now you've changed my wages 10 times. <laughs> hey, man, the economy, going to take you down a couple shekels. What? Verse 42. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been for me, um, had not had not been for me truly now you would have sent me away empty-handed and here he is again given giving honor words due. god has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands so he rendered judgment last night mm. well <clears throat> jacob laban comes up with the idea that they should enter into a covenant. Verse 44, so now come let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. And they set up a stone, verse verse 43, uh, rather. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, the daughters, uh, the daughters are my daughters and the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters or their children whom they have born? And then he says, let us, <clears throat> let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. Uh, and Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his kinsmen, gather stones. So they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Now Laban called it that name, but Jacob called it uh, Galid. <clears throat> and Laban said, this heap is witness between you and me this day. Therefore, it is named Galib. And, and Mitzpah, which means watchtower. For he said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent from one another. By the way, let me just also read this to you regarding Mitzpah, because that's a term that maybe you, you've heard before. Um, and Barnhouse says regarding that term, um, mitzpah means watchtower, and uh, it's an expression that a lot of Jewish folk will use even today. Uh, <clears throat> Barnhouse says, careless reading of the word of God has made this statement familiar to millions in a totally false application. Uh, that it should be engraved on rings, made the motto of a youth organization, and used for a bene benediction to close a meeting is preposterous. It did not stand for blessing, communion, and fellowship. Rather, it indicates armistice, separation, menace, and warning. In effect, the pillar of mitzpah meant, if you come over on my side of this line, I'll kill you. The covenant breaker would need God to take care of him because the other would shoot to kill. Isn't that interesting how that expression became a word that, that, that Jewish people use even today? Um, <clears throat> and yet, not really in the context uh, that, it, that, it was, that it was for. So... Um, <clears throat> verse 52 through 55 and we're done this heap is a witness and the pillar is a witness that I will not pass by this heap to you for harm and you will not pass by this heap and this pillar for me for harm the God of Ab Abraham the God of Nahor the God of their father judge between us so Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his kinsmen to a meal. They ate the meal and spent the night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban arose, kissed his sons and daughters, uh, not Jacob, and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. Wow. Um, you know, we're all selfish. We, we all are. We all want it 
want it our way. Laban seems to be, you know, have a master's degree, maybe even a doctorate degree in selfishness. Uh, his chief goal was all about himself. It's all about self. I mean, this man used his own daughters as bargaining chips to get what he wanted. Um, Laban lost his gods and could not find them. Jacob seems to have found his God once again. And he will need him, especially when he meets his brother Esau. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and thank you for this, uh, this opportunity that we have to just learn. And uh, God, that you would um, speak to our hearts and that this word would percolate throughout our, our minds um, this week. And, and um, Lord, I just uh, pray that, that you would speak to anybody here in this place that is in need of direction from you. Um, Lord Jesus, you said, my sheep hear my voice and they listen. And we know, God, that, that you are not a God who is far away that, that we cannot hear. There are those who say that if God would, would, would show himself to me, then I would believe. And the truth is, Lord, even if you did show yourself, they probably wouldn't believe if their heart is not to believe, if it's bent on that. And, and Lord, they miss the stars and the sky and the sun and creation and all the beautiful things you made that speak to your glory. Lord, uh, for that we would um, pray the prayer of Jesus in the garden. Lord, let your will be done, not mine. And, and Lord, we all have stopping points when it comes to that. Very few of us are all in 100%. We want to be, Lord. We want to say, no, Lord, let your will be done in every area of our life. And, and yet, because of our selfishness or our fear or whatever it is, we, we don't do that. Lord, thank you for dealing with us and loving us through those, those stopping points. And thank you, God, for the, the puzzle, the tapestry, the beautiful picture that you're putting together in our lives. And we thank you for the food that you've blessed us with, that it would nourish our bodies as well. Thank you for Cynthia making it and adding all that love that she adds. God, that you would splash back a blessing on her. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord bless you guys. And, uh, yes, we are meeting next Thursday. I know sometimes it's like, well, thank, I mean, next Wednesday. Anything?